Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. We're going live. Hey, we're back. And it's Wednesday at 2 p.m. So it's time for cannabis legalization news. My name's Tom. If you need me, you can Google cannabis lawyer and then click over to my website, Cannabis Industry Lawyer, where we just added a new search bar on the home screen. So now you can ask the questions that you have directly into the website. And over in the West Coast, the North Coast of the West Coast, yeah. uh, is Miggy. Hey, woke up. Uh, how was your week, man? It's good. Um, yeah, where lots of Oh uh, yeah, where to start? Let's yeah, talk about yeah. the FDA. Start with the FDA. I'm gonna go ahead and put uh, this page 174 on. Hopefully, everybody can see 174 right there. That's watching on YouTube. Sorry, Facebook. So what's uh, what's what's this one about, man? So this is crazy reefer madness testimony that was at the FDA. Um, uh, you go to page one. It's the scientific data and information about products containing cannabis and cannabis derived compounds. Right. So the hearing on May 31st. So here we got some crazy chick. Her name's Pamela McCool, who's not even American. She's Canadian. And she spreads this like reefer crazy madness about how uh, CBD and, uh, uh, you know, it's hurting her community as far as the legalization in Canada has done so far. Is that is that this page 174, 175 of the uh, report that was released from the May 31st testimony? Yeah, it starts in that area. Talking about in 20 years of research of human cells, I've never found any other drug, including heroin, which comes close to DNA damage. Are, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. But, um, you know, she said it. And then that's the thing. I, that, that when they did the legalization in Illinois on the floor of the Illinois legislature, they did the uh, egg in the frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. You think the lies are going to stop? They aren't. But you know what is going to stop? Well, actually, you know, thanks for joining us on legalization news, but stick around because in a few minutes, Jim Brees from Green Growth CPAs, check out their YouTube channel. It's really awesome. Green Growth CPAs, you'll learn a lot about uh, what you need to know to get into and navigate the cannabis industry. He's going to be coming on to give us some tax law updates for your cannabis business. But fortunately, it is no longer or it's getting closer to not being a probable cause for smell. Yeah. In the state of Florida, police to stop detaining for cannabis odor. 
that is awesome because that means that, you know, one hemp, of course, uh, and then two, the medical cannabis space means that because uh, there's there's like 200,000 medical patients in uh, in Florida, as opposed to like the 75,000 that we have here in Illinois. It just means that the uh, the smell of cannabis does not mean that a crime is occurring. You know, Florida implementing this rule. I mean, first off, it's the most un-Florida thing ever to ever happen out of Florida. I would I would agree. That's the most. <laughs> It seems like a reasonable change of law. It's it's totally out of Florida's wheelhouse. I'm just like, what's going on with our world when Mitch McConnell makes sense about hemp and Florida legalizes or makes it easier for smell? What the fuck? Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Yeah. I don't know, man. But that's oh, great news. It was great news. And the other one uh, that I really liked this week, and this just came out yesterday, and that was um, this, the... Judiciary Committee can build to end federal marijuana prohibition. This is the MORE Act, the Marijuana Opportunity and Reinvestment and Expungement Act, kind of somewhat modeled off of Illinois. It okay. deschedules cannabis out of the Controlled Substances Act, but it also goes further by meaning that the IRC 280E, which we're going to be discussing with uh, Jim Brees from Green Growth CPAs here real shortly, uh, that's going to be out the window as well. And then they're going to do a modest 5% trust fund. You see, that's what it is right there. Oh, it's, wow. it's the, uh, well, it's the federal government knowing that there's tax dollars out there to be had. And why are the states going to be the only ones that have the tax dollars? But it's uh, sponsored by presidential candidate uh, Camilla. No. Yeah. Harris? How do you, how do you pronounce Harris's first name? Kamala, I think it is. Kamala Harris. All right. Well, Kamala Harris is sponsoring that. And of course, Barbara Lee and also Cory Booker. Well, no, that's the Marijuana Justice Act. It's actually quite similar to the Marijuana Justice Act. But these types of laws, and that was the thing that came out of the feds. Like, I guess the the budget, uh, you know, the fiscal cliff isn't going to happen this year. And they actually have a budget, which means has marijuana defunding been expanded beyond medical marijuana for the Department of Justice into all marijuana? That should be somewhere buried into that budget that got passed. But I haven't checked it because I've been, you know, working. But we should be able to review it now. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I, I saw that there was news out of Washington about some type of budget deal being reached. But what exactly that budget deal that has been reached, I'm not sure. And that would be advantageous for the people running for election next year if they are fine on the budget this year and they aren't going to make it a, you know, a political football. But yeah. does that mean that what have they done regarding uh, defunding the war on marijuana? Right, kind of like back when they um, uh, defunded the medical side and said, you know, these right. rights type shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, for me, the biggest story of the week actually had to do with Tegrity Weed. I'm not sure if you saw the Tegrity Weed going around. Uh, here's hey. one of the marijuana moment. They're kind of poking fun of the um, – that was a MedMen ad, right? That was a MedMen yeah. ad? Yeah. It was a MedMen play. Right. And then it was the Spike Jones MedMen. And so like they're making fun of Canadians for not having any integrity. And it seems like this integrity play is to be chair. Uh, they say all the profits are going to go to support uh, the social equity aspects of the cannabis legalization and, and ending the drug war, which makes me think, like, is South Park getting into the cannabis game? I, You know, they've always been really good with that humor. And that that integrity episode was pretty Pretty damn epic. Oh, yeah. Like, like Randy had that hat and we would put it on. It was the Spin Doctors, like a song would come on. It was made out of hemp. <laughs> and stuff. Well, and then the whole craft cannabis thing, you know, how we go from this world where 
you know, everybody's an outlaw, a hippie, probably didn't shower for a month because whatever. Yeah, but they can grow some good-ass weed. I remember those hippies in college. They always had the shit. Closer to the earth and shit, man. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of play on that. And then it goes, like, and how, like, the corporate takeover and people buying because you have this really excellent product. Do you remember when uh, Tally came out to do the testing? Callie came out to do the testing. What testing is that, man? Oh, have you seen the episode? The whole episode, Tally, the, the character, Tally. Oh, uh, Tally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He comes out. He's, he's the official tester, and all he does is just take big, big rips. <laughs> that's right. And he'd be, like, testing it. And he'd be like, that's some good shit. That's some good shit. And then he's like, let's test that integrity weed. And, like, he, he was in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering like if bananas wore suspenders or something, just like totally doubled over, like really, really high. And so I thought that was one of the best uh, news stories of the week. And then there is this one out of the FDA. The FDA just slapped Curaleaf with a warning letter for their CBD products. And this is always one of those nice um, uh, lessons of what you're supposed to put on your uh, marketing materials, because if you go too far, you're going to get a, a warning letter from the USDA and Curaleaf, which is a big player, just got one. I mean, this is yeah, the guys out of Massachusetts. And so the FDA disposable vape pens, they usually go through and they will also like provide where here you go. Uh, and then somebody like hit me up today on my website asking if I wanted this type of uh, content for it, you know, what, and it was just, they're, they're just a, um, uh, they, they write material and they write material that's really, really highly keyword focused so that you have good SEO on it. And then CBD is like, everybody's spending money on SEO for CBD right now. So the Curly probably bought those things, but it's can CBD oil be used to treat or used for a, uh, ADHD. And then, you know, it's, uh, they talk about specific diseases and specific results. And you're really not supposed to talk about specific diseases or specific results. I mean, that's one of the reasons why when you have a lot of those uh, CBD oil pages and, and uh, packages for the actual oils and pills or isolates themselves, uh, it's a very abstract, just kind of like, oh, you will feel better, you know, and nothing more than that, really. Yeah, that's, well, that's the same reason with the vitamin market, right? I mean, if you can't... Uh, very similar. Like, they have that little disclaimer. I wonder if I have any vitamins around here where it says the FDA makes absolutely no uh, recommendations based on this. Yeah, right. It's the same shit. That's what we talked about the very first week of uh, legalization of hemp. Was right, that right. And that's, that's kind of what this is. But, like, a lot of that, it's not just curly. I mean, like, Revolution in Illinois and GTI, they also have uh, hemp divisions. I mean, it is the full cannabis plant, but at the same time, uh, they, you figure that uh, a multi-state operator like Curaleaf would have had, uh, I don't know, Rod Kite's firm look at their materials to make sure that they're not going over the line. But instead, I'm, I'm assuming this traffic that they got from this uh, web pages that they bought that was written by not necessarily bots, but people that specialize in uh, SEO optimized language, they, they maybe shouldn't have put that on their website. But, you know, if it was on the website, but if it was on, say, a blog promoting their product, that'd be a different issue, right? Uh, sure, because then the blog's not their official website, you see, because it's on their actual pipes. It's on their, you know, uh, curlyleaf.com backslash CBD treats ADHD. Something like that would just be a huge red flag. Do not do it. And yeah. so when I got that stuff today, and I'm not going to share my emails, but um, when I got it today from somebody who filled out my form on my website, 
I was like, oh yeah, that's what I want. I want to get a letter from the, the FDA telling me that I should not be hawking my CBD wares so well. But I, I also am not hawking CBD wares. I'm, I'm a lawyer. Well, you know, the rule of thumb for these guys should be, you know, testimonies are okay, but you can't self-promote as far as like what it does. Right. You know? I mean, you right. get they, that's the thing. It's the specific claims about specific illnesses. And so what was it? It was a specific illness, ADHD, and it was specific claims, how people who are on cannabis are starting to perform better because they are using uh, their CBD t uh, tinctures or, or treatments. And that's, these are no-nos. Do not do that unless you really want the FDA to be like, hey, buddy, knock that off. Hey, and, uh, and good news, I got a, um, we got a free prisoner on uh, July 26th. Calvin Robinson was released from prison after 31 years for pot. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Woo. 31 years for pot. Was it like tuna? You remember tuna, the guy that uh, Johnny Green likes. Uh, the, the Florida prisoner used to have the, the square, uh, it wasn't square tuna. Uh, what was it called? Square grouper? You know, how they would smuggle the, uh, the, the pot back in the 80s? Yeah. Yeah, same shit. I mean... And he served, I think, 20-some-odd years. You know, all these guys are getting old and dying almost. Yeah, and then meanwhile, they're introducing the Moore Act in Congress, probably mostly for political grandstanding, because you know that's not going to get voted on this year. It's but, just going to go, and it's it's going to be one of those positions that they can say on the presidential campaign. It's like, I introduced the Moore Act, or I introduced the MJ Act, or uh, whatever, and they support it more, and there are their form of marijuana legalizations better than their form of marijuana legalizations. And Joe Biden's is terrible. But what's more heinous? You know, like we got these bills that are halfway knocking it through, or the fact that we have legal states, recreationally legal, with still people sitting behind bars or presently just being messed with. Yeah, I mean, the DEA had like a very active year yesterday, last year in Colorado, where it's a legal state. Well, we talked about that uh, the sugar leaf case where they. Uh, you know, uh, bought extra, you know, ounces. Was the sugar leaf case where they bought the extra ounces and mixed it in with hemp? No, that's the one where, um, remember we talked to the lawyer last week and she talked about the case where she ripped it because you were only really limited to sell so many ounces a day. Oh, the looping case. Was that the looping case? case? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of weird, absolutely crazy laws that you have to put up with when you are dealing in the cannabis space from the cash to the IRC 280 double tax. And I know that uh, Jim Brees will be on here momentarily to start discussing uh, green growth CPAs and how they go about helping cannabis companies not only stay compliant, but good, good accountants actually help companies save money or allocate money more effectively, which is important. They're kind of like the uh, the watchdogs of the dollar bill. Oh, they can be, and then they they find out like what's going on with the um, uh, you know, the laws of the, at, during the time of how the taxes because the tax code changes. Like yeah. IRC two hundred eighty e didn't exist until the nineteen eighties. Okay, and then like, so how is it easier to create these things than to just take them away? You know, like two eighty e always easy to create. Uh, that's one of the reasons why everybody is always up in arms if there's ever any type of new government benefit that's provided, because as soon as the government benefit is provided, it's never really taken away. Yeah. And politics yeah. sometimes is just disheartening. I know, right? Like, because Congress is there. They can pass a 280F that says, hey, 280E, forget about it. Ah. Not, or not for marijuana. Because like currently it just says schedule one substance. It could just say schedule one substance, except cannabis. But they don't say that. But isn't the problem though, just to unify Congress on one freaking thing? Like to say, 
this benefits Americans and overall, whether it be partisan, there's got to be some sort of angle for everybody, right? That's that's one of the reasons why I was kind of impressive that Illinois passed the uh, cannabis legalization legislatively, because mm-hmm. when it's passed legislatively like that, you have any, all these beaks that need to be wet and and everybody's trying to look for their out for themselves. And then you have to gain that consensus. Unlike with when you put it onto a ballot initiative like you do in uh, California or in Washington state or Colorado, where the will of the people have more of a binary yes, no vote. Um, you just can't do that in most of the states. The ones that remain, Illinois was really the first one to do it legislatively. So I just don't think that Congress is gonna act so fast uh, as like all these more acts and that, uh, marijuana justice acts and the states act, even the safe banking act, I haven't heard of that. Hey Jim, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh yeah, thrilled. So Jim, uh, tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah, Green Growth CPAs. We are a full service compliance firm where we, you know, work with financial compliance, tax compliance, helping everybody do the all the really tough things that are the ongoing business pains of being in the cannabis industry. Located in uh, Southern California for our main headquarters, but have you know arms and reach in twelve different states throughout the country. So you know wherever there's legal cannabis, medical or recreational, is where our company is at right now. Now, like <clears throat> CPAs, uh, you're you're qualified nationwide, right? Yeah, it's a national designation, and then we have, um, yeah, so a national designation to be a CPA. I'm not a specifically a CPA, but pretty much everybody that's on our team is a CPA, but I've been in corporate finance and brand marketing for five years, entrepreneur myself, raised capital, exited, so it's kind of like the collision of all the best worlds, because there's a lot of startup here, a lot of capital that needs to be raised, but a lot of you know content that we also have to make, too, to educate. There's a big, steep education learning curve, because this is all very new. We're going from prohibition to you know, pretty much a lightning drive, a green rush. So that's kind of where we fall. And, it, and it's a very complicated industry as well. So I mean, it's it's moving fast, but it's complex. A lot of people, when they get into it, do you think that they have uh, an oversimplification of what that actually goes into a cannabis business? hundred percent. I think that people oversimplify. They think like, you know, it's just like opening up a spot in your house, but for going from your house to actual business location, but there's so many steps in between, like, it's running a real business. It's like 10 a.m. to midnight every day. You have a chief operating officer, an HR. You've got to hire people, fire people, buy product, test it, make sure it's good. You know, make sure your accounting is done properly. You know, you miss a few receipts, it could untie your entire business, especially when you go through an audit. And you so guys help with those types of audit plannings, but uh, what type of, you know, because it sounds complex to me because you have to deal all in cash. How do, how do you approach trying to, you know, per, put into place the the operating procedures and and the policies and the record keeping for uh keeping track of of all cash yeah i mean theft and diversion are the two biggest things that people can peel off money in your business so creating solid standard operating procedures is a must in your cannabis business and making sure that people are actually following that doing spot checks it is an all cash business there is access to some banking uh there's dama banking there's also as well as you know state uh credit unions that will take money and some of the other bigger banks will take money, but it's a big risk to their other portfolio. You know, $26 million in cannabis money is nothing to the trillions of dollars that these other companies have. So it's really about creating good standard operating procedures and fund flow management, checking in every day where your money is going, because you have to put money away for bills. You can't just come up with, you know, 300 grand in tax dollars right away. So, you know, lots of safes. It's kind of like the movies in a, in a certain manner where, yeah, you have to have, you know, safes hidden where only you and your lawyer know where they're at. Drop safes so no one can access the things inside there. But until we get the Safe Banking Act passed, or in California, they've got another bill out here where 
California will allow access to banks, you're pretty much dealing in all cash. And we're not talking hundreds, we're talking like fives, ones, twenties, fifties. So it's a lot space. What? The fives, ones, hundreds. I mean, it's right. a lot of I mean, money. One thing if you're dealing in racks, yeah, hundred dollar bills, ten thousand, but you're not. You're dealing in like regular people money. So yeah. how do you, have you helped uh, some of your clients ever try to like a get a bank account, or if they're kicked out of their bank, find a new bank? Yeah, I mean, we help clients get banks all the get banking access all the time. We can get you merchant accounts where you can take credit cards because some bills cannot be paid in cash, like some taxes have to be paid via card. So you can either pay yourself as your personal account or pay out of your business account. Yeah, it's possible to get access to banks. You just need to know the right people. That's the thing is like, it's kind of in this gray space right now where some people are willing to dip their toes in and play and be a little more close to their to the risk. But yeah, we help people get banks. We suggest you have multiple bank accounts because once the bank sees you're putting a lot of cash in, uh, they will, you know, reach out and say, hey, you're, we're closing your bank account and you still have to pay bills that month. So you there's a lot of different little tactics on how we do the banking and get you access to digital digital payments. Wow. Yeah. Uh, now that's mostly in California you're dealing with, right? Yeah, we've got California, we've got Oklahoma. Again, we're in 12 states, but we can get you access to you know any kind of bank pre pretty much anywhere you need. Um, but again, it's a, it's a it's a how would you say? It's a very sensitive process to do that because not everybody wants to know and share like, hey, we're ABC Bank and we're taking cannabis clients. So it's a very personal relationship market. You know, you, the thing when you get into the cannabis market is not just like you can start by yourself. You have to build a team of a lawyer, of a CPA, of an operations person. You have to have a master grower if you're doing these grow operations or a master, um, you know, manufacturer. Like these people are in very high demand. They're like the, the, they're like the programmers of 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9. And that kind of encompasses your company itself, right? I mean, you have a lawyer team as well as your CPA team and whatnot. Yeah, things that we do. And as well, we have partners throughout the country that we we trust, we vet, we meet with clients as well as partners all the time to make sure that we're building a good team for our clients. It's not just a, you know, we are a one-stop shop. We don't do just taxes. And we need to make sure that you're getting introduced to the right people. Because if you get introduced to the wrong lawyer, you could untie your entire business. You know, as Thomas is talking about going through the licensing process, if they've never written an application before, I probably wouldn't trust them with your time. I'd be better to pay a premium for someone who's been through this process. Like we're a cannabis only firm. We don't have any clients that do anything else but cannabis, you know, and that's something you have to look for when you're working in this industry. We gotta, yeah. It can be kind of difficult when you're trying to, when a new state's coming online. And so when I'm meeting with people, I always do explain to them, yeah, it's a team sport. I've been saying that for a bit, but then it's it's difficult to find people on your bench because it's been illicit. And then there's only so many licenses that are available and they try to preference uh, the residents of the actual state as well. And that really kind of kept a lot of people out of Colorado for a long time. Yep. But now that they're it's opening up and it becomes difficult, like a lot of businesses, they try to avoid costs as much as they can and keep those costs low. And I've heard that it's going to be about like an eight to a 10 to one ratio of applications to licenses in the state of Illinois. And like half of those people may get a lawyer, which is ridiculous that if you think you're going to be able to skate through this process, unless there is some political, who knows, because it is Illinois, uh, but <laughs> it's it not Illinois is corrupt, but like other states are corrupt too. So it really is putting that team together and especially those types of operators who have that skill. So as you put that that whole application together, it's you have this guy and you have that guy and you have that guy and here's what you're bored. So you're going to have continuity and people that understand that they're trying to prevent the top two things, the diversion of the product or the cash. Yeah, exactly. 
But Jim, along the lines of the the digital, are you, are you involved in any crypto with that? I mean, we have some clients that are trying to take the crypto. You know, I'm a big advocate for crypto. I think that's the way of the next 10 to 15 years. Like that's one of the next big ways of, you know, putting the power back into the people's hands. But most people are still dealing in cash because the clients are not paying in crypto. If you buy yeah. Bitcoin, you're pretty much not selling Bitcoin right now. You know, it's still, you know, it's above, you know, all time uh, highs right now. But also they want to come in. They want to get their cannabis after work and get the hell home, you know. Yeah. Um, there's some more sophisticated shops in the LA area that are taking these kind of digital payments, but I don't say that it's probably like less than 1% of the market. Most people are still dealing in cash. Right on. Hey man, when you're like doing your um, uh, business statements or your business uh, plans for your clients and also drafting up their pro formas based on their area and uh, what type of customer they can expect, what's the difference between like a customer that might be more in like a Peoria, Illinois, which doesn't have like a lot of tourism or on a border versus the customers who might be on a border city or like a tourist city like Chicago. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have like, so you have to look at the lifestyle of a potential user. Most people, I mean, Nancy Reagan did a great job scaring the crap out of most people over the age of, you know, 40 years old. But those are the ones with the most disposable income. Now that it's become legalized, people are now becoming newbies. So you're seeing that they have that disposable income and they're willing to try and test all the different things. They're really leaning into the bud tenders or the people that operate inside the store to tell them what they want to buy or what they need or what's good for them. Right? We're not just selling a drug here. You're selling medicine to these people. So you have to very be cognizant of what you're asking, the questions you're asking of these uh, users. So I would say the, you know, the, more, the more female clients are looking for something fast, quick, and easy that has very little odor, whereas your, your male patients are looking for something more where they can break down their own flower, buy their glass, experiment, have the good times with that. I would say that you know, they're similar to a certain extent, but you're going to see a lot more newbies come in where you, you have to really lean into education and you're going to take, have to take a lot more time, right? You, you have two levers in a business, the number of transactions and average transaction. You're going to spend a lot more time per transaction in these farther out states, like in a Peoria, where they're not well educated about cannabis and they see a lot of headlines and they know that there's anxiety and stress about it. So I guess what I would say in your beginning of your first six months is really lean into the education before a user gets into the actual, you know, bud area. Is there any kind of posters you can put out into the waiting area or flyers you can give out holding education sessions uh, around this so they can actually buy in bulk at that point of the education session? Because it's got to be bigger than just a dispensary. It's not a very novel idea to sell cannabis in a dispensary. You have to find other ways to bring people in in a community. And I think education is one of those things people need to lean into. Do you guys offer any sort of packet for, the, uh, for your customers who are like, hey, I want to start a dispensary tomorrow. You got me a... Uh, 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 hooked up with the investor. Uh, we got the shop. Oh shit! I don't know how to educate people. Do you have anything like that? We don't have any specific programs around that. This is something that I actually do talk to our clients about. On you know, these are the six or seven aspects, and there's a deck that I have that I go over with them about what you should really consider talking to your patients about. Because sometimes these patients don't know what they don't know, so they don't know to ask that there's a difference between an indica plant versus sativa plant, and that it has these different effects, or that if you tape it take it through um, you know, an edible, it's gonna take two and a half hours to hit you. So make sure you don't take too much because you'll be on the floor. You may end up in the hospital. I've seen, I've, you know, we all have that story either of ourselves or people that we've heard of that. And those are know. the stories that like get the press because the, the stories of like man gets mildly high, has wonderful time watching stupid comedy. Those don't get like the news stories as much as like person thinks they're going to die goes to the <laughs> hospital because they ate too many edibles. 
Yeah, yeah, there's that. The education is always like right sensationalism. We're trying they're trying to sell ad dollars at the news networks. So we can't blame them for that. But you'll see that with every case, whether it's the, the taking the, the the product or even selling the business. You always hear about the eight million dollar cannabis business that sold away, or you know it sold at a twenty five x multiple. That's not the real life. You, like we have to you know, really ground ourselves in you know good reasonable facts that like most people are not going to crush it. The excellent excellent opportunity are really at the beginning, but at the tail end, it's matures and you're going to have, like we're going from 200 dispensaries in LA to 400 in the next 24 months in LA proper. We think it's going to do to cool. business values. We think it's going to do to the everything. So it's like, it's going to drive down all that. It's just a race to the bottom in price. So again, it's why I say you have to do something more than just sell cannabis, become a community center, do yoga in the morning or in the evening. You have to find a way or open a cafe. There's got to be mother, other avenues of revenue here. Oh, sure. Now, I'm looking at your website and it says start your business, investor ready business plan. Does that mean you guys also help bring investors like to somebody who has an idea for you guys? Yeah, if you guys have a great idea outside of just being a basic cannabis business or if you have a nice brand that already has some leverage, we have a network of investors we can connect you to, uh, everything from top to bottom, you know, lawyers that we have in your respective state. If not, we'll find one. Like when, you know, New Jersey opened, that was a thing I had to spend a lot of time in researching who we need to do biz dev with. And that next marching orders for the next maybe four to six weeks is reaching out to every one of these, you know, lawyers in New Jersey, seeing who we can actually trust to send clients to. So yeah, we can do anything pretty much you need from, you know, also developing your idea and your brand. So we have branding experts as well that we can introduce you to and, you know, uh, I say develop that idea a little bit further than just selling cannabis. Do you think that branding uh, is more important for the retail side or the cultivation side? I think brand is the only th brand and great operations are the only thing you can lean into. Again, it's a race to the bottom. It's a commodity like you buy oil, right? You buy gas, but sometimes people avoid going to Arco or they avoid going to BP and they like shell gas. You, you know, if you look at the way digital technology is going, people are going to be buying the cannabis on ease or on one of these digital platforms. You don't want them to say, hey, buy me cannabis. You want to say, buy me ABC cannabis, right? Alexa, Google Home. And you got to think about in 15 years, what does cannabis look like? If you're getting a license now, you're not going to operate for two years. You're going to operate for in perpetuity or you'll sell this brand in perpetuity. And that's what's going to be one of the bigger intrinsic values on your balance sheet is your brand. Um, and I would say try to avoid some like 420 Bud Bros and things like that. You know, you're looking for P and Procter and Gamble hasn't created their own brand since 1960. They buy brands, but they're one of the biggest companies in the planet. So position yourself to be bought by one of these big brands later if you want a bigger exit. Right on. Well, um, when you vet your lawyers, because I mean, each state has different set of rules. Uh, what are you looking at when you're vetting? Uh, like here in Seattle, I can tell you three cannabis law firms just right downtown. Yeah. And, and I think they all kind of do the same shit, but none of it's law. None of it's a uh, 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 criminal uh, cannabis law firms. Yeah, I mean, we have to, someone has to be understanding of the community. First, you have to have someone that's based out of that community. Can't everybody be transplanted into the community? Because when you go to do one of these applications, they're going to ask you, what's your community benefits plan? Which means you need to know what does the community actually benefit, like our values, uh, so you can get a better application, a more strong application. Second from that is, let's see your track record. How many applications have you been a part of? If you've never built an application, we can't send work over to you because we're not going to be your test case. So those are the two main things we look at is do you have a sense of what the actual local like sport of, or how you call it, city council is looking for when they're going for these applications. Because again, 
they want this to fit in just like next to the yoga studio. They don't want it to be like this big green building where everyone is like, oh, weed is right there. It's got to fit in just like a CVS or just like, you know, a falafel shop. It's got to be that smooth of a transition. And then granted, there's going to be some incongruencies to the branding, the messaging coordinated with the, um, the current market and the current community. But you have to kind of tie those things together. And yeah, I mean, rates as well. You know, people are trying to come out here and do, you know, we call it the, you know, the marijuana multiplier or the marijuana markup, you know, I know what your rates are because I'll call and I'll ask about a different project. And if you're putting me at 5X the rates, I know it doesn't take well, that five times the time or five times the effort to do it. So are you being fair to our clients as well? We're not just going to send you over to just to do bad things to the clients. So those are the three main things we look at. Who do you think's doing it right down in California? As law firm wise? Oh, as a, um, a branding site, sorry. Branding, I mean, you know, one of the biggest brands out here is the MedMen uh, because they're buying every piece of property, uh, visible property that you can. Um, you got that, you know, see in California, you've got Harborside. They did a lot of good digital content. I think they had a Netflix documentary. The thing that cannabis brands can't do right now is they can't buy digital media on the three major platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram, all those platforms. Sometimes ads will get through, but you know, it's going to take a very creative way to get in there. So influencer marketing is a big thing. You'll see a lot of these manufacturing brands, Dosist, and, you know, the, the names are escaping, but they're doing a good job buying billboards in the main drags. Like Melrose is where all of the popular kids are at. And those are the kids that set the trends, make the Instagram pictures. So buying billboards, is a, it seems ridiculous right now for most advertisers, but for cannabis brands, that's about the only uh, big piece of, you know, marketing you can do right now. Is yeah. this all because of the uh, the federal criminal laws? So if they were trying to buy these these ads online, it would be, I don't know, money laundering or something? Well, just like they don't allow you to, the terms of service for most ad platforms, except for Mantis, which is a marijuana only ad network, uh, is that they won't allow you to advertise anything that's illegal or a schedule one substance, right? So that's why we're in the whole 280E thing. Even if they you know decriminalize cannabis, they're still not going to reschedule it. Okay. That's a big difference in the two different things to that. And that's why you're still getting, you know, high tax rates is because it's a schedule one drug. And that's why most people are stick staying away from it. You know, even though we want to give our money as a brand to Facebook, they won't take it. They're not going to risk that business. Cause there's like, you know, these bigger brands that are giving them a lot more of their income. Why risk all their 99% of their income for the 1% of the cannabis? Granted, we can make them good money, but they're making great money elsewhere. Well, it's funny you say about the, the non-advertising on Facebook is uh, I've seen like a moment where I, people, all cannabis people get uh, canceled and, uh, or denied, whatever. But then I've seen where Groupon is especially uh, for a hitbox and they, they profess it. I mean, I think it's just about the bottom dollar all it comes down to, you know, when it comes to shit like that. It's or, the bottom dollar. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just saying the next question would be like CBD ads. Somebody asked about CBD ads. Yeah, uh, I mean... CBD ads, you get that out there. Like you can even get CBD at uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. I got, I actually kept the the circular. It's like a, I want to show my kids this. Like it, it happened in like May two thousand nineteen. That's like Bed Bath and Beyond started selling CBD. What you'll see with CBD, I think it's been rescheduled or it's been decriminalized. The farm bill. There's a little bit more leniency. Rescheduled it. It's no longer in controlled substance. Yeah. So you've got that, but you know, like 
CBD is going to go up on, I, here's one, one man's opinion, one hot take is that CBD is going to get really hot. It's going to go up and then it's going to have a huge capitulation down to like, you know, 70% drawback in popularity. Then there'll be another popular thing. And I, what I think that is because you have a lot of bunk CBD manufacturers that are just trying to get their brands out there. They're not doing a high dose. They're like allowing patients or not allowing what telling patients, you don't need to take a lot. If you don't, like when you smoke cannabis, you feel the high, you know, there's a transformation and a shift. With CBD, you have to be very in tune with your body for that kind of stuff. And so I think people are going to try it. They'll spend their $100, $200 to try it. They won't see it. And then you'll get that kind of curve back. So I think the bigger brands that act, or the better brands that will survive are ones that are pair it with already existing you know, supplements or spices or things that actually have a, a good effect, like a melatonin or an ashwagandha root that has, you know, you know, these proven effects and people are already using this. So I think it'll become a more secondary tertiary ingredient, but it's really hot right now. Yeah, uh, I think you'll see the ads. It's like that. But I mean, like this is this is common. Like bit, It was the Bitcoin of 2017. Bitcoin was yeah. really, really popular. And now CBD is really, really popular. And I have no idea what's going to be really, really popular next year. But a lot of the farmers are getting on this now. There's like 18,000 acres that they say they're getting the plant in Illinois this year. And yeah. so what happens in next year when the, uh, the, the supply doubles or triples and the demand is going to pass because like you know if you've done cbd supplements before it is a very subtle it's 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 interesting what it does to your anxiety levels but you have to have good cbd as opposed to junk and then also you need to take enough but it's it's i don't know if it's gonna i mean it's gotta pop because it's yeah. a bubble and bubbles pop it, it's gonna pop but also they're like you know, look at the plant. The plant has a lot more than just the actual extracts. You've got the fibers that come with it. So you'll see other things in that sense. Who knows? I don't know what the legality of exporting it out, but you may see other countries that start to legalize this and then they have a way to, to ship it out. Who knows how it's going to really end? But I think that, you know, if, you know, suppliers are doing a disservice to the industry if they don't give strong enough product and if they are just, you know, putting something out just to make money fast. So that's kind of my point. Say it again? You got a good point about people have to be in tune with their uh, body for CBD to notice the effect of it. You know, it's uh, even for for me, I'm a high consumer for just flour, and I'll smoke a CBD joint, uh, even though it's got the entourage effect, but it's predominantly CBD, and I don't get high. I just get like uh, I can go work out or something, and you know? I feel yeah. pretty, pretty good, flexible, a little loose. But um, unless you're not feeling or in tune to it, like you said, mixing it with other things that like kind of like the Red Bull effect, right? Because it's all got that ginseng or whatever in yeah. it you need something that immediately kick in so you're like yeah i know it takes effect but yeah. uh, i mean that's a great point though with that yeah you've really got to be in tune with your body with any kind of you know supplement or medication um but i think cbd is going to really fall victim to that you know that big wave but we'll see how it pans out i really hope that you know the suppliers do a good justice to the industry and for the, the user you know we don't want to mislead users uh, but we also want to keep the industry healthy. Yeah, and I think the mixing on that is going to be pretty interesting over the next few years. But they don't have to comply with the IRC 280E anymore, unlike the uh, cannabis that has more than 0.3% THC. How do you go about uh, explaining to your new cannabis clients how they need to mitigate IRC 280E? Uh, let's just start yeah. from there in general, just a general cannabis client, because you can bisect them from there. So if you don't know what IRC 280E is, pretty much it's like, you know, I think forget the case, but there was like back in the day, this drug dealer said, hey, I drive big cars and I got like dinners and lunch and I want to mark off all my expenses. And he like had a low tax bill. 
and so that's how he got in trouble. But they said, you know what? The government said, hey, we're not going to allow that anymore. Only thing you can mark off is your cost of goods sold. So the race now is to see how many costs can we put into cost of goods sold. So, you know, marketing expenses, like if you buy weed mats, 5,000 bucks a month, you still got to pay tax on that. You know, all these different indirect costs for your business that aren't directly to cost of goods sold. So first and foremost, make sure you're paying your taxes and even overpaying your taxes. There's an account, they keep a ledger, they'll know how much you pay. If you get audited and you miss, you know, a specific, it's self-reporting right now. So they just pretty much take you for your word. No states or cities are requiring audits. So I would say, make sure you're paying your taxes the right way and making sure you're even overpaying your taxes. Because one in five cannabis businesses are getting audited with just quick hot take data out of Colorado. It's one in five? I thought the average uh, stat for a uh, an audit, this might only be personal income, it's like less than 1%. You're saying 20% of cannabis businesses are getting audited? They will They will get audited over, over their, their life cycle. It's like one in 20 ordinary businesses are getting audited. So be ready for an audit. Look, it's very easy to find you. You know, on Cal in California, they have can e cannabis file. All your EINs are there. They can just log in and say, hey, randomly pick this company because they know you're doing it wrong. Like I said, you saw I sent an email yesterday, cash crimes are the new drug crimes. The drug is legal. The biggest things now are your financial compliance and your legal compliance with any kind of thing that they have on that end. So if you don't pay your taxes, they will find you. And if your suppliers are not paying their taxes properly, they'll just go up the chain or down the chain and find you. So there's two very main reasons the way you can do this is, you know, a cost segregation study, which is if you have, um, you know, if you have assets, we can help you accelerate the depreciation of those assets because you don't pay taxes on that. Um, so accelerating your depreciation, it's done with a an engineer that can come in. It's called a forensic engineering team with a CPA. They come in, they look at all your buildings and say, oh, that's been in the wall for four years with five screws. That's now part of the building. We can depreciate that faster. So that's one of the ways you can mitigate it. There's a lot of different tax strategies that have been proven over time. Um, so that you just really working with a CPA from day one. Cause if you do bad record keeping from, and I'm not trying to plug our business. I just, you don't have to go with us, but I really recommend you get a CPA that can help keep you a good paper trail. Cause when they come in for an audit, let me just repeat this. If they find a few expenses that are not uh, above board, they'll just disallow things going forward. And they're not going to look just at last year's. They're going to know that, Hey, you probably threw a box of receipts away from 2017. Let's go after that one first. Once they find some snafus inside that 17, they'll just disallow everything going forward. So you really have to be careful. How did the audit, so like that was a thing here in Washington State where when it was just medical and recreational was on the verge of becoming a law, um, a lot of these guys were like, okay, we're gonna have to do sales tax now because we're gonna pay state sales tax and we're gonna pay uh, city sales tax just to say we're paying taxes and kind of cover their asses. Yeah. But like on a federal level, is there a way that they, pay taxes i mean how, how how do they account for some product that's illegal and how do you uh, uh monetize the the, the 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 price of the tax that would be on that you know that's a, yeah that's the whole conundrum of the whole thing is like why am i paying tax on something that's illegal and how do i pay this tax if i can't pay it with a a, a bank so you know there's a diff there's tax the tax calculation for a c corp is 21 percent and the thing is having an accountant back out in the right or the right uh, sorry Put the right expenses into cost of goods sold. Cost of goods sold is the game. So if you again start, you know, deducting your marketing expenses, you're going to get in big trouble with the IRS once they do an audit on you. Uh, so I'd say is really about working with a CPA to make sure your your every cost, like literally, you go to 
you know, 7-Eleven and you buy something for the business, it's actually for a sales expense, you know, make sure you're doing the right things and keeping a good paper trail in that sense. Man. You- this, of course, then hits, uh, disproportionately hits uh, the retail side, the dispensing side, right? Because the cultivation is literally making the good, right? Yeah. I mean, so like you have indirect costs and direct costs. And so one of the things we tell people as a dispensary is become a processor. You have much more liberty with your indirect costs as a processor. So I'm not talking about going to buy a big machine. I'm saying like, hey, roll pre-rolls or buy bulk cartridges. These are things you're probably already doing, but just get the manufacturing license. And then we can put more of your indirect costs, like your rent, your utilities, your payroll, your licensing, your insurance into cost of goods sold for your overarching entity. And now you pay significantly less taxes. Again, if you're a C Corp, every $100,000 of expenses we can put into COGS, you save $21,000. Think about that every year. Now you have more money to either invest in your business, pay out to your employees, or use to crush your competition. As a result of that, do you recommend the C Corp formation for your clients? It's different for every every person's risk tolerance, you know, like it just depends on how many personal assets you have, the entity structure that works best for that, you know, what is the fundraising type of things you're going to be doing because certain fundraising requires you to be a particular entity formation. So I can't give any specific guidance on that. And also I want to plug in here that like anything we're talking about here is not specific advice. You know, it's just general, you know, for guidance purposes only, no professional legal or tax advice. This is uh, yes, and I think that's I think that's more of a California prophylactic. And you know, my prophylactic, I mean, he was protecting himself by saying these types of disclaimers. I haven't, no, of course, you know, Miggy over there is laughing. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. it mostly has to do with, you know, they, these types of disclaimers that you're supposed to make uh, on people that are, um, do do accountants have a fiduciary duty to their clients? I mean, 100%. I know it's important to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, this is not personal or professional legal tax right. advice, no investment, no business right. advice. This is just, you know, general guidance purposes only. Thoughts for consideration. Discussion. The, the fact yeah. that we have to have warning labels on pillows, I mean, you do have to kind of put a little disclaimer out on a lot of shit, so I get it. Yeah, this is, hey, protecting our business, man. This is, uh, this is real life. There's always that one guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, with that, I got to take off, though. I got to get back to work. Miggy, it was great speaking All with right, you. All right, man. Yeah, have a good one, Miggy. It was yeah, great. Pleasure, hey, thank you very much. We look forward to meeting you in person. Sweet. Yeah. All right. See you later, Miggy. Later, brother. All right. Uh, and I just wanted to thank Jim for joining us. Uh, and if you guys need to check out his stuff, it's greengrowthcpas.com. Yep, greengrowthcpas.com. You can find us on YouTube, LinkedIn. Uh, we'd just love to have you guys you know, come to our Get Started page. If you visit our website in the top right corner, fill it out. We'd love to chat with you about your business, see how we can help you, and help you get into this amazing industry. It's the green rush right now, and it's not going anywhere but up. So we'd love to help you out. First wave is coming in Illinois uh, for winter of 2019. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. Don't forget to subscribe. But I mean, if you made it 50 minutes into a show, I'm kind of assuming you have. Bye. <laughs>